Hi, this is Natalie Hoffman of FlyingFreeNow.com, and you're listening to the Flying Free Podcast, a support resource for women of faith looking for hope and healing from hidden emotional and spiritual abuse. Welcome to episode 142 of the Flying Free Podcast. Today, I have with me a guest we heard from two weeks ago, Lydia Dominguez. She is a technical sergeant in the United States Air Force. And I'm just, I just have to stop there and say, what? I'm not used to, <laughs> I, I mean, I don't think I'm seeing a picture of you. I'm not, we are not seeing each other. <laughs> I'm just, uh, but there's a picture of her here. And she's this beautiful, feminine looking woman. And she's a technical sergeant in the United States Air Force. Like she's badass. That's what I picture. Just a little bit. Yeah. yeah just a little <laughs> bit. Okay. And what I think is so fascinating about this is that she was in a, an abusive marriage for how many years were you in that marriage? 10 years. Okay. For 10 years, she tried to get out seven times and went back each time. You can hear more about her story um, in episode 140. Um, in that episode, she actually talked, she focused more on how to achieve financial independence after getting out of an abusive marriage. But she wrote a book called Don't Turn Back, where she just shares all of her, like all of the notes that she took throughout her whole process of getting out and all the things she learned from her experience and from other people. And, and it's called Don't Turn Back. But she had experience with turning back. And that's what I think is fascinating. And towards the end of that episode, she was talking about how she had shared on another podcast, a, a different podcast, um, not flying free about the reasons why she kept going back. And I just thought, why not have her share those reasons with us on the flying free podcast? So welcome back, Lydia. Thank you. Thank you for having me back. Yeah. So I'm just kind of, I'm going to let you roll with this and you just teach us why the reasons why you went back. I really want the listeners to be able to, because they will be able to relate to these reasons. Many of them maybe haven't even attempted to get out even once because of these exact reasons. They just never have tried. You know, they just, I'm like, no, I'd never make it. I'd probably turn back. So I'm just not even going to (laughs) try. Um, so I, I want you to talk about those reasons and then what actually, you know, helped you to get out and get out for good. Yeah, I'd like to, so this is, a, I guess, this is chapter nine in my uh, Don't Turn Back. It's breaking down the barriers. And I'd like to start it off with a quote, if that's okay, Yeah. Um, by Robert Greene. Um, so it starts with, every day you face battles. That is the reality for all creatures and their struggles to survive. But the greatest battle of all is within yourself, your weakness your emotions, your lack of resolution, and seeing things through to the end. Robert Greene, The 33 Strategies of War. Um, Mm. I read 33 Strategies of War when I was going through my divorce. So there's different tactics, and it's it's very militarized. It talks about different types of military styles of logistics of fighting war. And, you know, as much as we hate to think of divorce as war, it is. Um, And so that was one of my favorite quotes from that book. Um, But yeah, I'd like to talk about all the barriers I had to break down in my mind to get through this. That's, by the way, that book, is it, did I lose you? No. Yeah. Oh, okay. Um, (laughs) That book is, is that, 
it's specifically, it doesn't have anything to do with divorce. You were just applying the principles that you learned in that book to your divorce process, correct? Yeah, no, yeah. It does. It has, it has nothing to do with divorce. It's just any type of war strategy, right? So in, in business and in life, we all go through some type of battle, um, you know, quote unquote battle, right? Um, but uh, yeah, so learning the different strategies and, and it talks about the historical viewpoints of you know, of uh, battles in, in China and battles in um, but the, the British battles that they had. And um, yeah, so it was, it was a really interesting book. It really broke down the war style types. And obviously I'm in the military, so I was very interested in seeing the different tactics and uh, thinking about tactics and applying that in your life and applying that as, you know, I'm going to, you know, use some strategy here when I go into divorce. And there's going to be some kind of logistical planning into what I do um, you know, on between here and here and this point A to point B, um, there would be some kind of planning. So I started to think about my divorce as some kind of, you know, war, little battle, little chess game that I had to learn how to play. Um, when I, you know, I kept playing it, but I kept failing at it. Um, so I, (laughs) (laughs) but I, so I started going through and figuring out when I wrote this book, the barriers that had kept me back and what I discovered, there was four main barriers. Um, it was the fear of hurting my kids of taking away, you know, that father figure, um, the fear of going against my Christian beliefs and the fear of how it would be perceived in society. And this one is a little more provocative. It's called uh, sexual loneliness. And, um, you know, those four barriers I found were the ones that were keeping me back, um, you know, because you heal physically, your bruises will heal. Um, you'll heal, you know, as far as like going to counseling and, and fit, you know, mentally, but spiritually, you know, you're going to feel like a bad mom or you're going to feel like a bad wife as a bad Christian, um, you know, if you're going through divorce. Mm. And I really started tackling these barriers one by one. So tell us how you did that. Yeah. So one by one. So uh, keep uh, So first it was fear of hurting my kids. And I just realized keeping them first, um, just, you know, one of the things my ex would do to me is saying that by leaving him, I would be a terrible mom because they would be growing up in a single mom household. Um, and, and he just really dug that into my mentality all the time was like, Oh, you want these kids raised without a father. Um, and that's not at all what I wanted. And I, and I looking into it, I knew if raising kids as as a single mom, I was putting them at risk for teenage pregnancy, for incarceration, for, uh, for them to do any type of crime. Um, they have more of a statistical chance of not even passing high school with a single mom. And, and that really made me afraid, um, you know, but as, as I went through divorce and as I realized God really does, you know, have control here because he puts people in, in your life to fill that role. So even though, you know, I wasn't, I, I haven't had a, you know, a person to fill that role per se, as far as like, I designate you their father. I, I found a father figure for them in different places through their soccer coach, through their swim coach, through their math teacher. Um, they found, I found that God was putting people in our lives that would fulfill that role to show them, Hey, men don't act like this with women. Like men act like this. This is how, this is how normal men behave because I was starting to notice they were fearful of, of men and, and their boys, you know, we can't have mm. them afraid of other, of other men. Um, so I wanted them to not be afraid of men and, and to also feel like, you know, they have some type of role model, um, in their life. And, so, you know, 
the interesting thing is that the, this is a barrier for you. It was a barrier to getting out. And yet it was actually your, it was actually the more fearful thing was actually that they would stay and continue to think that men were like, that all men were like dad, scary and someone to be feared. And yeah, I mean, that, yeah. that it was the opposite was true. It was. And I, and I could see that, you know, it was, it, I could see that once, once he had left and um, that they were going through, you know, PTSD and anxiety, and I could see it that I'm going through this and wow, they're going through this also, you know, I, I started realizing like, oh my gosh, they need, they need counseling, they need help. And, you know, even though, like I said, you know, fulfilling those like physical healing, mental healing, but we, they still needed that role model. They still needed that person. And, you know, God is great. I moved into Las Vegas. I had no family, no military family yet. I had just come into a new unit and I didn't really have the same structure I had where I, where I lived in California. And, you know, now moving to a new place, like, oh my gosh, they're not going to have that father role. And that was, I don't even know why I was worried. Like God fulfilled that role beautifully, mm. you know, it just in, in himself as God and also around with people, um, and men, men that are believers, men that are God fearing. Um, so it was, it was really great to see that in them and to see that they're not afraid as they were, were, I could see that they're not, um, you know, as, as timid as they were now. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's been really fun watching them kind of fill that role. Yeah. So what so, was the second barrier? The second barrier was fear of going against my Christian beliefs. Um, you know, at some point I felt like, how the heck did I become the woman of the well, um, a reject among rejects? Like, how did, how did this happen? Like I was suddenly in church by myself and just looking around, feeling like, how, how did, how did this happen? You know, like I, I started feeling jealous and angry, um, you know, and, and if I could go back a little bit. Um, you know, my, my ex had towards the end had discarded me. He left me, he left me financially ruined. And, um, so when he did leave, you know, I felt like, wow, I, you know, one, I had, I tried everything I could and, you know, even, even putting myself in financial strain for him. And yet I was still feeling like such a reject at church, even though my church, you know, friends and family, they, they at no point made me feel bad. It was, it was my own feelings of jealousy and anger, anger at church. Um, and what I realized is, you know, God didn't place me here to feel this way, to have all these anger and burdens and to feel forsaken and condemned. Um, you know, I, I did really did feel like the black sheep. I keep saying that, but I, I always love using that, um, you know, that, that metaphor is like, I was the woman at the well somehow. Like, I don't even know how that happened. Like suddenly <laughs> I was, I was just here and, you know, feeling so lonely um, and abandoned. And, you know, when I finally, you know, I finally broke down and, and asked my pastor, like, well, you know, what, what can I do? Like, I'm feeling so broken and helpless. Um, and he had told me to go to, you know, first Corinthians right away. He was, he was just like, you know, on it. Like he just knew what verse to give me. And he said, first Corinthians seven, uh, 15 to 16, if your unbeliever husband or wife who isn't a believer insists on leaving, let them go. In such cases, the believing husband or wife is no longer bound to the other for mm-hmm. God has called you to live in peace. And wow, did I feel so at peace? Um, 
you know, when you feel, when you finally let go of feeling like you have to cling on to this person and, and feel like you are not fulfilled until you have this person by your side, like I can't, I can't tell you the amount of, of overwhelming peace I felt in my whole body, just knowing that, you know, you can go, you can leave, whether I leave, whether you leave, whoever leaves, like, but I will be at peace. And, you know, I, I constantly held that uh, verse with me uh, always. And I always try to share it with other women too, because, you know, you're not called to be just living in, in you know, anger and shame and, and regret and reliving, you know, all sorts of events that happen in your mind. You know, I constantly found myself like not being able to sleep, not like having arguments in the shower, like just reliving arguments and, you know, like just, uh, I don't know how to say it. Like sometimes, you know, it seems like you're talking to yourself, but you're really like thinking of other things, thinking of other ways I could have done that argument or said something. And, you know, it just finally letting go and just feeling that overwhelming, um, you know, giant suitcase that's hanging on your back. Like you're carrying a giant backpack, you know, you're running through the airport and you're carrying like pounds of weight on you. You're just so exhausted. Just put it down, just let it go and stop carrying that pain with you. Um, and I found such a sense of relief and it just washed off me. Um, and I was able to finally know that, you know, just because I am getting a divorce doesn't make me any less of a Christian believer. doesn't make me any less of a, of a mother, um, or as a wife, I, you know, my, my ex, even though he had discarded me at towards the end, I, I really should have, I really should have left the other six times. And, um, you know, either way, it, I'm still called to live in peace. I'm still called for the glory of God. And um, it kind of leads me into my next uh, segment here. And, you know, I just uh, feeling how I would be perceived into society. And so that's kind of where I was feeling like, you know, when you tell people you're getting divorced, they kind of give you this like pity look, you know, and you feel like, you're almost like the coroner telling them like, Hey, so-and-so died, you know, and they're just like devastated for you. And it's like, Oh, you know, I almost dreaded telling people, you know, Oh yeah, we're getting a divorce or we're getting separated or, you know, whatever. And it just, I felt like now suddenly I've not only going through this devastating event, but now I'm having to tell people and watch their faces change into pity and sadness for me. Um, And it, it was, it was kind of like, I just kind of avoided places, you know, I was just like, I just didn't want to talk to people. Um, I, I even, um, you know, one of the sad things is I, I felt like I couldn't go to my little church. I started going to a bigger church where I could be a ghost, you know, where I could go in, praise God and just leave without talking to anybody. Like I was so antisocial and I've always been such a social human my whole life. I, I love talking to people. I'm a big people person. And, and then suddenly I went from like, please don't look at me. Don't look in my direction. I'm I felt just full of shame and, and just, you know, I felt lost and I started realizing that, you know, why am I, why am I the one feeling just this weight of society? Like I'm not, um, I'm not perfect. Nobody is. And I, and you, you, you get such an image from movies and, you know, TV and reality shows that, oh, they get a divorce and suddenly they get this, like, you know, they lose all this weight they get, you know, into a new life and they get a new boyfriend right away and they get married all over again. And it, it just seemed like it's such a not correct picture of reality, right? In reality, you know, but people lose weight or they might gain weight. Like, 
you know, but it's all about stress. Like some people have stress, like literally lose 10 pounds in just stress weight. Mm-hmm. And some people gain 10 pounds in stress weight. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it, it's not a good or bad thing. It just means that this person is, is not, is needs help. They're stressed yeah. out, you know, and jumping into this kind of brings me, I'm going to try not to jump too fast, but um, jumping into another relationship isn't necessarily reality, letting go of like, you know, just not seeing that, you know, some people, th- some women think that, you know, okay, now I've got a divorce. Okay. Now I need to go find someone else, you know, like that's part of the social plan, um, you know, yeah. and not giving into that, just going like, this is a bunch of BS. Like, yeah, I'm not going to, I'm not going to be Kim Kardashian or uh, whatever. I forgot which Kardashian it is that went to she went in vacation with her ex-husband in South France, you know, and, um, Courtney, Courtney, sorry, <laughs> Courtney Kardashian. Um, and she, you know, took her, she took her ex with her kids and, and his girlfriend and they went on a yacht and that's not going to happen. Like <laughs> that, that is like not reality, you know, like it's yeah. TV, you know, and, and people look at that and they think, wow, you know, vacationing with the other party, like the other person, like that sounds awesome. And, Sure, I'm sure there are some people that have Christmas and all the holidays together, and that would be the best avenue possible. Well, when you have domestic violence, that's not going to be, that's, that's right. not even imaginable. That's right. Um, you know, and so you have to kind of let go of all those like societal norms and societal viewpoints. And, you know, society doesn't know what they're doing. They're lost. They're, they're, they have, <laughs> they have all sorts of issues and, and especially Hollywood, right? And, you know, I just, I just found like, why was I following that? Why did I have that in my mind? Like, oh, I have to run home. I have to get the groceries. I got to, you know, help everybody with homework, put everybody to bed. And, oh, I still have time to find a boyfriend. Like, no, that's not reality. Like, you know, sometimes I came home with Popeye's and food out of a bucket and everybody get that. And, (laughs) you know, like, like sometimes it was just like, oh my gosh, laundry is piling up. Like I need to commit a day to laundry and it, you know, things happen. And it, you just got to let go of all of that. Um, you know, just feeling like, Oh, I got to be like Kim Kardashian. I gotta, I gotta lose weight. I gotta look hot. I gotta do this and that, you know, mm-hmm. to make my ex spouse jealous. Like, no, you need to heal yourself. <laughs> you know, yeah. you need to just worry about yourself, your kids and getting yourself to the next step because you don't want to be where you are right now. And a year from now, you want to be somewhere better. That's right. That's right. So yeah. good. So that leads me into my uh, fourth one, uh, my fourth barrier. And this one is intentionally provocative. I know it's a little testy. Sex is not something people are always willing to talk about, um, just like domestic violence. But um, this one I called uh, sexual loneliness. And, you know, I really do talk about not to go far into the the birds and the bees, right? But, um, you know, sex is, I think we can all agree that sex is also physical and spiritual. Um, and then there's also the biblical version of sex, right? So you have the physical action of sex, and then you have the spiritual emotional connection that sex brings um, through, you know, endorphins and chemical reactions in the brain. And then there's what God thinks about sex, you know, and he thinks, you know, he has uh, sex be in the realm, the protection of a marriage. And, you know, having, you know, women are supposed to follow their husbands in a marriage and men are supposed to be like Christ in a marriage because he died for the church, you know? And so, um, 
what I like to say about sexual loneliness is, you know, it doesn't mean you're never going to have a partner. Um, it doesn't mean you're going to die alone. You know, I feel like we all go into that, like, oh, what was me? I'm going to die alone. No, no, no. Uh, what it means is just not going and fulfilling, filling a void with another toxic person. Um, you know, I like to say I go to Christ broken and I'd like to go to another person whole. I'd like to go to another person, human being and be like, I'm a whole person. I would like to be, you know, I would like to compliment you as a, as a partner versus I'm a broken human being. Please come help me. Yeah, You know, and it, as women, we feel like, oh, I got to fulfill that void for my kids. I got to fulfill that void in society. Now I got to fulfill the void for me because I'm hurting and I'm in pain. And I'm lonely. And, you know, loneliness can also transfer into sex. And you just want to have a person in your life and feel like, okay, if I give him sex, then he'll be with me and he'll love me. And, you know, we get we get it all twisted up. We get the emotion and spiritual part twisted up with the physical part of it when they're when they're all separate, you know. And, and I've, you know, I said this on my last, in my other podcast, I had, um, I chose to go and be abstinent. I chose to not fulfill, to not be sexually active and to, to be, you know, just to not fill that role with somebody that I, it would just be physical. Um, and it's a personal choice. I don't, you know, I don't like condone if you go out and have sex or I don't uh, say, Hey, you should be abstinent. It's a personal choice. Um, but I do think that bringing sex into, you know, a messy divorce or a, a place where you are, especially where your kids are, is a little, it's, it's hard because you could be putting yourself up for risk for another pregnancy, for sexually transmitted disease. Um, and also for just having that um, psychological consequences of having sex too soon after trauma. And then you get the feeling of regret and shame. And then your trust is broken all over again. Now you're not trusting men at all. And then you damage and ruin relationships. You know, the, the solace you seek after a breakup will not come from a random one night stand. It's going to lead you into dis disappointment and despair. Um, you know, so I, I just, I really do for me, it was abstinence and I, I didn't fulfill that role. Um, I've seen other women just straight go into another relationship and I see that they, it's almost like they missed a step. They didn't, they didn't, they didn't look at themselves and fulfill that role within themselves and with God. And then they just kind of put it on the other person and that, human the human man right now he's put as that role like oh i need you to fix me and it's like uh how is he supposed to fix you you know yeah. so yeah well yeah. and often often we end up attracting what what we you know like things attract so if we're broken and we're not we haven't addressed some of those deeper things we're going to attract other people that are similarly positioned and now you've got two people that are that haven't dealt with their trauma. And then you've got another perfect storm. Are you a woman of faith who also happens to be divorced? I've been developing a brand new program that will give you the tools you need to manage your thoughts and emotions, grow your self-confidence so that you can take risks and do things you never dreamed possible, and so you can build happy, healthy relationships with other people. Did you know none of this good stuff depends on your outward circumstances or your past? 
You can generate the life you've dreamed of all by yourself. And I'm going to teach you how through online classes and transformational coaching. Are you ready to take your new life to the next level and fly higher? Learn more and get on the waiting list at joinflyinghigher.com. Yeah. And it, it just seems like such a social norm to just jump back in yeah. and just go into the dating world. And you might fulfill a short-term sexual gratification, um, but it's going to be at a cost. Um, you know, so yeah, I just, I have, uh, you know, it, it, it does kind of get awkward. It's like, oh, sex, you know, because I had my kids. They were they're like, we want to read your book. And I'm like, well, you know, there's some parts in there you might want to skip. Because uh, I talking about sex. <laughs> You know, sex is something that's like, you know, it's just, it's so like, nobody wants to talk about this. And, and I was just willing to dive into it. Yes, there's sex, birds and the bees, right? Like, but we have, we already know that this connects you. So now you're going to connect with somebody physically, right? And then now you're going to connect with them emotionally. And then, you know, if the relationship isn't stable and they leave, now you're feeling like you can't trust yourself. You're feeling like you can't trust that person. You know, and sex is supposed to be a beautiful gift from God, and it's supposed to be reserved for that committed relationship of a marriage. Um, so, you know, you you have to first learn to love yourself, yes. and and just know that you can't find it in you cannot heal in man alone. Um, you yes. must find it in God. That's right. I love that. That I know people kind of poo-poo the idea. Of love yourself. It's like, oh, that's so you know. I don't know. It, but it's true. It's actually it really is. profound. Yeah. <laughs> if you don't, we, we are always looking for love outside of ourselves. And God gave us this beautiful treasure of ourselves. I often say this in the private forum in Flying Free. I'll say, you, God gave you the responsibility to love, like, let's say the person's name is Mary, to love a woman and her name is Mary. Like she's your responsibility. Yeah. It helps people to see themselves as a separate self, you know, instead of it, it feels less selfish, which I don't think it should be a selfish. It's not selfish. You can only actually, you're going to be able to give so much more to the world. If you are a whole person who's well taken care of and you are another thing I say a lot is no one else is going to rescue you. You God, God put you in charge of, re- of a rescue mission and you're it. So amen, sister, that is, yep. There is no backup coming. The house is on fire. Like get out of the house now. That's right. You know, That's you, right. you are, you are, you, you will save yourself. And you know, it, you say that I say that you will save yourself, but you have to do the work, right? So you have to crack open the Bible. You have to do the work on yourself physically, emotionally. And, and that's, Nobody else is going to do it for you. Nobody's going to call you and say, hey, did you, hey, Mary, did you do the work today? Like, hey, text you like, hey, did you, you know, did you do, did you go walk around the block? I know you're really stressed out. Did you take a bubble bath? Hey, did you, you know, like if nobody's going to tell you to do these things and you have to remember, like, I have to do this stuff so I don't get stressed out. I would have a funny routine before I went to court because, you know, you know, when court's coming up, they have it scheduled usually either you know, a month out or two months out or four months out. And then right before court, um, I would go to this, I would make sure I would do it with um, my gym. I had like a, the schedule of the gym and I would see kickboxing and I would go to kickboxing right before. And I would always have, a, um, after the court, like either the day of or the next day, a, a massage scheduled. 
And I, you know, it was, I would just try to work my schedule like that. So that way I could punch something as hard as I wanted and kick something as hard as I wanted and then be like physically exhausted and then go into court like, okay, I'm physically exhausted, but now I'm mentally here. And then, and then I get out of court, right? Cause you're so emotionally drained from court. Yeah. And then I go in for a massage and just kind of let it go. Um, you know, and I'd also do, um, I don't know if you heard of float therapy. I did no. that a lot. Yeah. So where you go into like a tank and it's different, different places have different things. So some have a pod, some have um, like a room, like it's like a giant bathtub and you basically lay in there and it's, um, you know, it, it's like uh, sensory defecation. So there's no light, there's no sound. Um, and you basically go in darkness floating and they have like thousands of pounds of salt in there and you're very buoyant in the water. And cool. you just go, yeah, it's kind of cool. A lot of people say they like dream or they do all sorts. I, you know, I had a really hard time dreaming in there. Um, I, what I would do is I would break down what just happened in court in my mind. And so you're super separated from your phone, right? It's like, you're not next to your phone. You don't hear anything. I would go in after court and I would just let, I would just, you know, break through the process of what just happened in court. And it would just be me and my own thoughts in a dark room. Um, so it was, it was kind of fun. You know, I always had a, I always had like these, uh, gift certificates people would get me. So I would always use wow. these things, but, um, yeah, I would, I, I just tried to plan my, my court hearings and have these like little rituals, you know, where I'd punch something really hard right before. And then I would relax afterwards. Yeah. I you love know, that. And, I just love that. I, you know, I did something similar. I didn't do the the kickboxing thing, but when I separated from my ex, I knew that I was going to, I knew, you know, I didn't mentally, I didn't think I was going to miss any touching. Cause I, by the time, you know, towards the end of our relationship, we weren't doing anything like that anymore, but I knew, I knew enough. I'd learned enough to know that my body, I was responsible for taking care of my body and it needed physical touch. Cause all of us need that babies need it. Mm-hmm. We all need it. And so I did start scheduling a monthly massage. I'd never done that before because I had always thought that was, you know, like super indulgent and selfish and whatever. So I scheduled a monthly massage with a Christian woman who did it in her home. And it was so good for me. And maybe, you know, I don't even know how, I mean, it was good for my body, but it was good for me mentally to be able to say, I'm taking care of myself, all the different parts of myself. And this is something that people need. I'm not going to go, you know, and have sex with someone, but I can get a massage and have, and have my body get touched in a way that is safe and wholesome and also healthy, you know, get your lymph nodes drained and all of that. And I always felt like a million bucks. Oh yeah. Yeah. And you just feel like, you know, it does feel like a little, so I did feel a little selfish also, but you know, sometimes, you know, when you're getting through that, you're like, okay, I cannot take care of these kids. If I am going crazy, like I've already killed my car. Like we talked about in the last episode, (laughs) I, you know, you kill, I killing my car. Things are falling apart at the house. Like I can't handle this. If I'm not, if I'm not okay, like I need to be, I need to be relaxed to take care of these kids and to, to move on in life. So Um, yeah, sometimes you got to be a little selfish and even if you can't afford a massage or whatever, you know, going and and making sure you take that bubble bath, you know, or just even just sitting down and doing meditation. And, um, there's so many YouTube videos about, you know, where they walk you through the meditation. So you don't have to go into a meditation, you know, center, 
um, right. you know, and pay all that money. You can, right. you can just download YouTube and just go and do it yourself there. Yep. Um, yeah. Those are so good for helping it, you sleep too. Cause I think sleep is super important and it might be hard to do when you're under stress and your brain is kind of going 5 million miles per hour. You lay down to go to bed at night and you can't turn your brain off, but some, but you, there's some great meditations online that you can download. And there's some apps too. Um, the calm app, there's another one. There's another big one. I don't know if you're familiar with those, but it, you no, can download I did, it. Go ahead. Yeah, I did. Uh, I did the meditation where they would walk you through like your whole body. They'd be like, all right, tingle your toes, feel, the, yeah. you know, feel your toes relax or feel your ankles. And it just goes through your entire body. Right. Yes. And you're just feeling like, oh, okay. You know, and sometimes, I mean, you got to try whatever works. So if you got to try, you know, you know, the going and doing all this, doing yoga, doing prayer, doing meditation, like whatever it's, you got to try all the different things and just see what works for you. Um, because everybody's all, everybody's different. Like maybe it takes you playing a, you know, a dumb game like crush or whatever on your, on your phone right. until you fall asleep. Or I used to do, I am a big numbers person, but I would fall asleep all the time on Sudoku. There's a game where you like, oh, it's just yes. numbers. Right. Yes. And I would just get so bored and just bore myself to sleep. And <laughs> so funny. And so, I, I can't stand that game. I cannot do that. I, game. Know. <laughs> I know, but sometimes you do the harder ones. Right. And so you're trying, I would really try. And then I'd be like, so bored. I just go to sleep, you know? So whatever works, like you just gotta, there's no, that's why everybody says there's no formula. Like you have to make your own formula for yourself, you know? So it's, it's kind of fun. Whatever everybody, everybody wants to do. Yeah. Well, this has been really, really good. Um, do you have any, well, actually I, for those of you who are here and you didn't hear Lydia, when she came a couple of weeks ago in episode 140, go over and check that one out. Um, but why don't you tell this audience today a little bit about your book and where they can find you online? Yeah. Um, so my book is called don't turn back. Um, it is about help giving women the tools they need to not go back. It is your survival map, um, to, recovering from domestic violence. And you can find my book on Lydia.com and I'm sorry, Lydia Dominguez.com. Um, and that is my website. You can order it from there and get a free bookmark and a signed copy. Um, you can also follow me on Facebook and Instagram. Uh, Lydia Dominguez is the tag and, uh, yeah, come out and reach out to me and, um, and we can chit chat. So, um, you know, one of the things I really, I really just hope that people receive in this message is that divorce does not define you. Um, it is not who you are and, uh, you will find the light through this. You will, you will get to the light. I've seen the light. It is real. There is a light and, um, you will recover after this. So good. And by the way, too, I will mention that if you are um, in the process of divorce, or if you are already divorced, you might want to check out my program. It's, um, you can go to joinflyinghigher.com. That is my program for women of faith who are divorced. And we um, do all the things to help you rebuild your life. You can find out information and apply over there. So, so, so if you're in your marriage and you're wondering, <laughs> what is there for me if I get divorced? Well, there's flying higher. There's there's literally hundreds and hundreds and there's thousands of divorced Christian women out there. There's a whole bunch of us. Yes. You, so you are not, you're not alone by a long shot. 
And um, so if you're if you're even contemplating it and you think, oh, I'm just going to be this pariah, maybe in your circle you will be, but out there in the world at large, you're not a pariah. There's there's so much. There's a whole family of us out there waiting to give you a big hug. So enter yes. you on through the process. Yes, yes. And don't feel like that. You're. I felt like it, the woman at the well, you know, suddenly you're a woman of rejects out of rejects, you know, it's, it's crazy how suddenly we become that but yeah you are not alone you're not the woman at the well there are other there are others (laughs) that's right that's right well thanks again Lydia for coming a second time to um, share with our listeners and for those of you who are listening thank you so much for coming today to listen and until next time fly free